near-death experience podcast, an ongoing exploration of spiritually transformative experiences, including NDEs and other phenomena, in order to elucidate the ineffable and better understand our spirituality. All episodes are available at ndepodcast.org. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and guests are not necessarily those of NDE Podcast, the NDERF, any sponsors, or for that matter, anyone else. In the end, the only opinion that really matters is yours. Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side, as well as the music album, Home. So today we're going to share the experience of Georgie, and this experience can be found on enderf.org. Georgie says... It was a Saturday during the day, and I was at school. It was during recess, and like most kids, I was playing. I had poise and was well-formed as a boy. A bigger playmate, who was obese, grabbed me from behind, around my neck, and by the seat of my pants, and started to run, dragging me. I was very sickly at that age, and always suffered from tonsillitis and asthma. For that reason, I began choking and turning purple. My playmate wasn't aware of that. When he did notice, he let me go. I landed on my feet, and I remember that I looked at the ground and saw a shiny object that looked like a coin. I stooped to retrieve it, and at that instant, I fell unconscious. I instantly found myself on a pathway like a gigantic garden, and there was light much light all around me. I felt at peace and tranquility that I've never felt since. I was walking on the path. One could see much vegetation, plants, flowers, trees, etc. Towards the end of the, of the walkway, one saw an enormous central light, and it was as if a superior being interrogated me and asked me, what I was doing there. Like the child I was, I started to explain what I've just said, that I was at school, that it was a Saturday during the day, and I was at recess, that my playmate, etc. And at that moment, I awoke, and I was stretched out on the ground on my back, and all my playmates of the same grade were surrounding me. Between a few of them, They picked me up and carried me to splash me with water and revive me. It was a very beautiful experience, and I didn't tell anyone, not even my parents. It stayed archived in my brain, and it wasn't until 25 years later that I saw the light. Recently, I've arrived at conclusions about this marvelous experience, which caused me to question everything that has been and will be. Many times I wondered why I didn't stay over there. But with time, I've accepted that it was a very rich experience, and I learned to coexist with it. Today, I am very spiritual, 
and know there exists something better than the material and physical life which we humans all have. I am preparing myself for the trip and accomplishing all the missions that correspond to us. I have three children. I'm married nearly 20 years and happy as one can be. I'm at the stage of learning and discovery. I'd been initiated or illuminated, and I think that the experience I've described was an opportunity I need to take advantage of. What I never knew was that the time that passed during the experience I mentioned, I don't know either if I am, as an adult, the same as the child of that time. It is not easy to explain all of this, but I hope I've contributed. Yours, Georgie. Okay, so I love this because Georgie is um, a child at the time. And I love child near-death experiences because they have rarely been told all of the details about what is supposed to be in near-death experiences. And so they're just explaining things as they experience them. They don't seem to be um, influenced by others, you might say. Anyway... So he's playing with his friends, apparently, and a bigger playmate is a little bit rough, grabs him by, you know, around the neck and the seat of his pants. He's running along with him, has no idea that the kid is choking. And then when he finally does see that the kid is choking, he sets him down. And <laughs> just like the child that he is, as he keeps saying, um, after he's down, he sees something shiny on the ground. It looks like a coin. And so he reaches down to retrieve it. Now, if you've ever been in a situation where you've, you know, for whatever reason, lack of oxygen, let's just say, uh, let's just say you got up from a chair too quick and you're, you know, kind of stars and so forth, you know to get down to the ground, but you also know not to just drop your head down below the rest of your body because that can make you, you know, that stars and so forth worse. And I'm thinking that might be what happened here. He basically passed out from lack of oxygen um, to the brain. And in this moment, or minute, or whatever it was, of being out, he has this near-death experience. He's on a pathway, a gigantic garden around him. There's a lot of light all around, and there's lots of vegetation, flowers, trees, plants, etc., and towards the end of the walkway, there's this enormous, er, enormous central light. Now, this sounds like your quintessential, um, oh, you might call it a gateway place. Many people experience a tunnel. He's experiencing a pathway with a garden and a light at the end of this pathway. And that is very true to what near-death experiencers describe, although this is very unique in the sense that it is a, a garden pathway with vegetation all around. That, that's beautiful. And again, and I, I know I say this often, but don't assume that because he's experiencing something that is, or that fits a metaphorical uh, situation, you know, this path and and, you know, beautiful garden and light at the end of it, don't assume that because it fits the stereotypes and the, uh, and 
and so forth, that it's not a real place. Don't assume that it doesn't exist in anything but his mind. Now, that may be playing with semantics here, but from what I can see from near-death experiences, it appears that these transitional places are very real, that they do exist, that they are part of the spirit world, but that they meet the purpose of transitioning the person to the other side. So I just like to make that point regularly because you'll sometimes hear experiencers say things like, you know, I, I was in this, you know, city or something and I, and it occurs to me that, uh, that this is a transitional place and that I'm just seeing things like this in order to make me more comfortable with the place as if they were going somewhere um, onward that or or that this is an illusion I let me put it that way that what they're seeing is an illusion and if they saw the real thing it would be strange and overwhelming and so forth and I think there is something to be said for um, that transition time and so forth but other people describe in such detail and form the physicality of the other side. Plants, trees, animals, buildings, food, um, in such detail and with such incredible uh, depth to their senses that it would be a disservice to the whole study, to all the literature, to suggest that... that um, Anything that appears physical is just an illusion, somehow created in the mind. It can actually be both symbolic and real. And as it appears in, in this one uh, experience, as it does in many others, Georgie is being invited into a greater state, a, a light that... You know, unfortunately for our purposes, uh, he never reaches. Of course, if he had, maybe he wouldn't have been able to return, and then we wouldn't even have what we have of his. So we're definitely grateful that he came back. But uh, but it's interesting that um, he is being invited to a grander, more beautiful place. But as described, he is, suddenly finds himself in the presence of a superior being, he says, it was as if a superior, a superior being interrogated me, and it's not clear whether he sees anybody or whether he even hears anybody, but clearly somebody is asking him what he was doing there, basically saying, why are you here now? You're not supposed to be here. And then he says, well, I was at the school, it's Saturday, I, you know, I was at recess, which makes me kind of question, was it actually Saturday? He says twice that it was Saturday. Did they have school on Saturday? That's interesting. Anyway, there, um, there's other kids there, so I guess so. I don't, you know, don't know how that works, but um, um, maybe some places they do have school on Saturday. But anyway, um, he's telling this being all this thing, all these things, and then he says, and at that moment, I awoke and was stretched out on the ground on my back with all my playmates looking over me. <laughs> so he's basically trying to, well, I don't know, I was just playing. And, and then, boom, he's back in his body. Very interesting. And his friends are like freaking out. You know, Stand up, man. We got to get you, get water splashed on you and so forth. They should have taken him to a teacher, you know. But uh, 
Anyway, apparently makes it through okay because he lives to tell the tale. This was back in 1978 that this occurred. And you know what? This uh, experience didn't take too long to read, so let's actually go ahead and read one other. This one is much shorter, um, but I think worth sharing. This is Maria from enderf.org. I was at the hospital for delivery. At no time I had a thought of being in any danger. I'm 32 and I have two other kids, no problems with the other deliveries of those two. I had exercised until a week before I was due and worked until that day that I went into the hospital. I even drove to the hospital. I didn't know what was going on with me since I fainted. I just remember being in this bluish, whitish, bright light. I was walking and saw my deceased grandmother and aunt. They were standing in front of me as I was walking towards them. There was no tunnel. I was in the light, and there was no end behind them, only light. My grandmother and aunt were both wearing gowns. They looked like the color of light. I did not see their feet. They gently smiled at me. As I was walking towards them, I felt in peace, and I was happy to see them. No worries, no anything. Then two names came to my mind, Julian and Paula. They are my kids. As I thought about them, something dark pulled me away from my aunt and grandmother. That is the end of of Maria's experience. A very traditional experience, but very interesting because she is healthy otherwise. She has no reason to think that anything's wrong. She's probably excited because her baby's coming. She can probably feel the contractions. It's time to go in, something to that effect. And uh, she even drove herself to the hospital. She'd been, she'd worked out all the way up until a week before and and was in good, healthy condition. So when she faints, it's, you know, I don't know if she was surprised that she fainted or if she never knew that she fainted, just kind of passed out or what, but uh, she just remembers being in this bluish, whitish light, and her grandmother and aunt are there. If you ever question whether you will see your loved ones on the other side, I think you can put that question aside, you absolutely will. That seems to be almost universal that people see their loved ones on the other side, especially, you know, obviously those who have died and gone before them uh, are the ones they most often see. And there are often others that they don't recognize. Sometimes they have the sense that they know them, or even they will have the sense that they have always known this person, that they are close friend or or close relative but they don't it's kind of like if you see your you know your cousin or something and you're and you're like so excited to see them at the store and then you know you're like hey you know what's going on and so forth and then you were to experience amnesia um from everything from you know a week ago and and previous and you try to describe this experience of seeing your cousin in the store, you would say, I saw um, this person in the store that I knew really well. I was happy to see them. I remember how delighted I was. But the word cousin might not come to mind. 
that it's just that this you know this person you know them very well and it and but you because of the amnesia you can't remember who they were i think that's kind of what's going on with a lot of these near-death experiences where people will see somebody that they recognize and they're familiar with and they're good friends with but of course coming back to the body is that amnesia setting in and they're no longer able to remember who that person was but they do remember that sense of familiarity and somebody that they knew very well and so forth and i think that may be common in near-death experiences at least from our you know when you come back and and you don't you don't remember how you knew them um of course if it was like maria's experience somebody that you did know in life you will remember who that is because you knew them in your mortal life anyway very interesting very interesting experiences if you would like to contact me you can email me chaz at ndepodcast.org you can also email john at ndepodcast.org you can also support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash ndepodcast and becoming an ongoing monthly contributor or you can also support the podcast by purchasing either my book or my album both of which are on neardeathexperiencepodcast.org and then click on the menu item marked store and thank you all of you so much again for listening Amen.